Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. It's been a few busy last few days, and pardon the horsiness in my voice. I am recovering from a slight cold and being a little under the weather, but I'm going to manage this week because we have great guests today. And tomorrow we have John Norris returning to the podcast to revisit on hidden war and what is happening on public lands as it relates to drug cartel activities. And then tomorrow we have Mandy Gunasekara, one of my colleagues who just launched our new Independent Women's Forum Center for Energy and Conservation. But we'll start with John. And I will probably do a review of Safari Club where I got to reconnect with John next week when we get more information on attendance. But here is a conversation we have on the second printing of his book, what is happening on public lands and if the situation is a lot more dire, especially given what is happening on the border, both borders rather, and how that is affecting public lands, water quality, wildlife, and so much more. Hence why it's called The Hidden War. Let me know what you think of our revisiting with John Norris, former California Fish and Wildlife Game Warden, podcast host, and author of Hidden War. We're catching up with John Norris at the annual Safari Club convention, international convention in Nashville. I'm here on business meetings, but I was able to fit in a conversation with a friend of the show and a repeat guest. So, John, thank you so much for giving us an update. Gabby, it is so good to be back. We had you on the Thin Green Line and when we started our podcast, and uh, we've talked about Hidden War and all the work I've done on the Conservation Wildlife Officer front on your show. And that was, wasn't that long ago, but so much has changed since. So, number one, this is your first SCI convention. Yes. Annual. First time it's been in Nashville, previously in Vegas, for all the 10 years I've been involved. And uh, what a perfect place to see America in a different landscape. All the patriots here, all the conservationists here, to be here with you in my book booth, share another conversation. Good to see you. It is very good to see you. And you sent me a copy of, and I got to read through the second edition of Hidden War. So what has changed since we last spoke and since the first edition was released? Well, there have been about three years between the books, and we sold out of all of the first edition hardcovers uh, about four or five months ago, and we had to have a second printing. But rather than just do a second printing with my really good publishing brand, which is Caribou, um, that's the book side of Gun Digest, Recoil, Recoil Up Grid. Um, they're very like-minded, they're very conservation-oriented, and 2A-oriented like we are. Um, and they said, well, what do you want to do with this second printing? Well, it had to be a trade paperback, because you just go that route so people can get to them easier. Uh, but we wanted to add more material and do updates because so much has happened since the first book was published. So the second edition is the second printing. It's also updated with a new forward by our good friend and fellow conservationist, Patriot Jack Carr. Um, I did a whole new introduction uh, that reads for about a couple of chapters on those changes, but you still have all the mission chapters of how our marijuana enforcement team, our tactical unit of game wardens, was formed back in 2013. 
and is still going strong even after I retired after running and developing that team in 2018. Um, and man, the changes have been significant from the cartel threats domestically within American borders. Sadly, they've escalated since the first book was published. Right. And we had talked about that during our previous conversation. I think some conservationists don't think that border security can affect conservation. But you perfectly laid that out during our last conversation. And we have seen, if you follow politics, I follow politics beyond conservation as well. And I am observed, much like anyone, that there's been tremendous surges at the border. Cartel activity is at a record high. How is that affecting public lands and even private lands you had mentioned before we went on the air? Yeah, um, since we last talked, it has escalated. Obviously, border policy has changed under the new administration. And we went from a fairly aggressive border control policy uh, that was going to be implemented, you know, under the last administration. That got kind of reversed, and then Title 42 changes, and now cartels can pretty much freely enter the country without even a hiccup at the border. Mm -hmm. And we know from the amount of immigration and the amount of border crossings by just millions now mm -hmm. of, of residents from southern borders, uh, border mm -hmm. continents and states, that the cartels are operating with impunity. And it's literally gotten five-fold worse from the standpoint of not only the, uh, the Mexican cartel factions that are growing toxically tainted cannabis from the black market, and we know from our previous discussion in the Hidmore first edition that that's going on on public lands, national forest, mm -hmm. and really pristine waterways. But what's happening now is we're seeing it on private land, mm. five-fold. So not only do we have many more cartel members in America, and not only doing the weed production that's got the banned poisons on it for the black market. And we got to remember, Gabby, that these cartels that are doing weed processing and distribution in America on the black market are making, you know, poison, candy-colored fentanyl to poison our kids in dirty labs that now we know is what we're up to, like 130,000 deaths of Americans aged 16 to 45 on fentanyl. These are those same cartels just doing a different activity. Uh, methamphetamine production, human trafficking, which we know is at an all-time high, we're starting to see a lot of national attention, thank heaven, on the trafficking issue. But that's largely because these cartels are so embedded in America and not just working from south of the border or north of the border with impunity. And it has escalated to a massive level uh, during the COVID lockdowns. Um, we got to remember cartels are used to working in cultures of chaos. And when we have something like a, a global pandemic and all of America shuts down, and all of America has lockdowns, and there's medical protocol, and there's operational gag orders to go out and do our jobs because of exposure, cartels go, oh wow, this is great. American law enforcement are tied up on civil unrest, oh, they're tied up on medical support issues at hospitals. I mean, our game wardens that you read about in Hidden War literally cannot operate the first half of the entire eradication bureau operational season mm -hmm. against the cartels in 2020 because all of our administrators, appropriately so, didn't know what exposure levels our officers would have. So they were just shut down. But the cartels went on override and worked with impunity on parklands because they knew that. And now, when we look at regulation in California as an example, um, and I think you know from reading both books that I've always said, it doesn't matter where I sit on the spectrum or if you're pro-cannabis, anti-cannabis, liberal, conservative, the bottom line is you don't want to enact a law to regulate a product that's actually going to increase the black market, that's going to increase the destruction of wildlife by poison waterways. And you and I love our wildlife as fellow conservationists. And when Prop 64 passed, in order to get it to pass and generate that revenue for recreational cannabis in California, outdoor trespass grows, indoor illegal grows that the cartels do, that non-cartels do, went from a felony violation to a misdemeanor. 
a misdemeanor is you might lose your plants. Are you going to see jail time on a cannabis crime unless you have trafficking, banned poisons that are felonies, uh, you know, um, extortion, illegal weapons? You're not going to have any bite out of crime. So the cartels have gone, yay, California's the state to grow in. And now the black market has tripled, and that's a conservative estimate. Regulated growers that are trying to do it by the numbers with, you know, taxation, environmental purity, seed to sale, uh, tracking on cannabis for legitimate dispensaries, they are leaving the industry because they're literally going under because of this black market. And we actually interviewed them to show their perspective um, during the Call Sign Trailblazer documentary that's in post-production. And it was mind-blowing for me to be three years out of operation, or five years out of operations, and go visit with these people that I haven't been in the field operationally for three years and see them in tears of how disgusted they are with the current legal structure in California when it could have been completely the opposite if we had gone after illegal growers' property. Obviously, things are not well in California and all these other areas where the cartels are trafficking. It begs the question, I think I asked you this in our previous conversation, where are these environmental groups? They claim so much to love public lands. They want to protect public lands. But when it comes to this type of activity, they're nowhere to be found. Where is Sierra Club? Where is NRDC? Where is CBD? Uh, Center for Biological Diversity? Where are these groups? And I, another thing I want to throw your way, if, if you've heard any chatter, where is the Biden administration? Where's Deb Holland, who's the Interior Secretary, Tracy Stone Manning, BLM Director? Where are these public lands advocates or supposed public land advocates on this problem? Are they responding to it? Are they aware? You know, that's a great question. And, and sadly, from everything I've seen, no one's really making this uh, a priority from a policy standpoint or even looking at it as a potential crisis. And I like to say the reason we named this book Hidden War is because we've been telling this story for 15 years on some level. National media, reality shows, documentaries, investigative news, publications. <laughs> and yet it's not treated as an American priority. It's not treated as a disaster. It's not treated like a wildfire campaign or like a domestic eco-terrorism campaign. Mm -hmm. And it's not an exaggeration when you look at the depth of cartel damage going on, not only to our wildlife waterways and wild lands, but to human health, public safety. You just said it. Human trafficking, all the things we talked about with fentanyl, methamphetamine, gun running. I mean, it's madness, right? I don't see any of those groups stepping up. I don't see them, you know, piping in on policy changes, on directing funding, or analyzing it. Uh, I do know in California, under the administration in California and federal administration, I think about Siskiyou County, California, and I was just up there last summer with Jorge Ventura, a um, daily caller investigative reporter who just went to Newsmax, his national correspondent, um, embedded with him for a week, did interviews. We embedded with Siskiyou County Sheriff's Met Team. Again, guys I worked with, you know, four years ago. Now I'm operational with them, but from our standpoint as mm -hmm. researchers and outreach and media. And they've asked the governor, they've asked the president, they said, we're in Siskiyou County, we're not allowing regulation. We have 15,000 conservative estimate illegal Asian and Hmong cartel private land grow sites and Mexican cartels, and we have like a couple sheriffs for the most remote pristine county left in California under the glacier waters of Mount Shasta. And they can do two grows a week if they're lucky. And these guys are, these cartels are growing millions of pounds of illegal mm -hmm. It's going back east with impunity. They're digging illegal wells. They're diverting farmers and ranchers water where they're not watering their crops. They're having to lose livestock actually having to leave their rural America that they've been in for 50 to 100 years, and now the cartels have run them out. Mm -hmm. And there's no federal help, there's no state help, 
because they haven't regulated and done what the administration wanted to do. So the thought of water loss to the point when California is in one of their largest droughts that we've seen in a century, they've turned another, they've just turned a blind eye and basically through no action said, we don't consider this a problem, yet we're in one of our most severe drought states. So it's an utter contradiction and ultimately citizens are suffering and our wildlife are suffering because our water resources are being depleted by these by these criminal groups. Um, so I'm not very encouraged by the lack of environmental group response, lack thereof, versus and I never like to disparage, we don't want to beat up on any one faction. If somebody's we can be environmentalists, anti-hunting, and we can be conservationist, pro-hunting for the model that keeps all species balanced as you and I know and have lived. And we can agree to disagree on our methods, but we want the same result. But I kind of look at it, and there was a quote on, on a news program the other night. Um, Conservationists are defined as folks that will care about environmental resources, specifically where they're happening. If water's being depleted or animals are being taken in too many numbers, we're going to find the data through bio-studies to protect those resources and balance them in any one demographic. Yet an environmentalist, so to speak, may say, oh, hunting is bad, using this particular product is bad, and you need to ban it and change your life, but just in general. They're not really looking at the issue, and they're not looking at the science, you know? And I think what's happened here is they're not seeing this issue like we are on the ground, that billions of gallons of water are being stolen by illegal cannabis cartels. We know that uh, illegal cannabis plant takes approximately, and this is verified by the illegal market, by scientists doing the studies on the ground that I've worked with for 20 years, five gallons of water per plant per day. Mm. And we know that millions of plants are being grown monthly illegally in the Golden State. And a lot of other states too, Gabby. This this whole thing isn't just a California problem. It's in 27 other states. And every state that regulates cannabis behind California run roughly the same structure, and then they incentivize a cartel there, so more water gets stolen, more people are impacted with the crime that's associated with it. And you're right, we're not getting a lot of help from the environmental groups, so we're really relying on conservation groups and actually legitimate cannabis groups, the handful that are out there, that are trying to do it by the numbers, that conserve water, don't want to hurt wildlife, like wildlife for all the right reasons that we do, and there is outrage and is disgusted and getting out of the business, leaving the illegal weed trade for the cartels, which is absolutely exactly what we don't want in this country. What would be the long-term effects on public lands if these activities continued unfettered and unmonitored? If we don't take this seriously and treat it as a national priority, we're, gonna, we're not going to have water, and wildlife's going to die, whether they're poached you know, by an illegal gun from a cartel gunman that's going to eat the animal, perhaps, or stop one from hindering his plants, um, versus just depleting the resource of taking all the habitat away, because marijuana takes space, like any crop. So in every grow site, on private land or on public land, whether it's a hoop house on private land, you got to take out grasslands and you got to take out trees. You get into the national forest, it's an even heavier impact because now you're going to get you know layers of cover, what we call the edge effect in conservation, various levels of flora and fauna, trees and brush that animals thrive on and that cover needs to be there. It gets decimated and then the water gets taken to the headwater source. And everybody suffers from the animals at the, you know, the very headwaters of the glacier water of Lake Shasta, let's say in Siskiyou County, all the way down to the cities and towns that's drinking 
farming and agricultural water that now is depleted and gone where people you can't live their lives. And that's what's going to happen state by state by state if we leave it unregulated and use that template. It's just got to stop. You'll have to go to different state legislatures and hopefully Congress, and if you need connections, I am happy to make some. But I feel like this would be something, let's say, House Republicans and different state legislatures would be interested in uh, if they care about public lands, especially in these states out west. They don't want to see their lands tainted, and you said even privately, predominantly privately held lands. Too. So we'll, we'll help raise more attention with that um, as best as we can. And if you need help on that end, let so me know. Appreciate it, yeah. But anything else we didn't discuss that you want to fit into our conversation today, John? Yeah, just one thing. There's been a, there's been a little bit of confusion on Hidden War 2 from the nuts and bolts of it. Um, we didn't anticipate the amount of interest in the second edition, second printing. Amazon copies from our publisher sold out within like a weekend. People are not finding it on Amazon. They can finally find it because we had to do a second printing already. And Amazon has plenty of copies for now. And remember that you're going to get some more material updating it up to this year of what we're seeing so that anybody reading the new forward and reading the new introduction and additional chapters are going to, they're going to know what you and I are discussing and why it's still an issue and why the hidden war continues to escalate and continue to be hidden. And again, I just want to remind everybody of the title. It's not just game wardens fighting this fight. It's you, Gabby, and your love for conservation and American wildlands and wild waterways and wildlife. So kudos to what you're doing to get the message out. Um, our media groups, our conservation groups, where we're at at SCI today, and everybody that isn't necessarily that hunter, angler, or conservationist, nobody wants to see this happening for the sake of their kids not being able to see wildlife, drinking poison water, or having a cartel gunman or a trafficker harming their children. So this is a national emergency that we all have to focus on, and Hidden War just scratches the surface. Plug all the appropriate links, uh, obviously plug in the book again, and then tell people where they can find you on social media, website, all that. Yeah, social media, it's on Instagram, it's just at John Norris, J-O-H-N-N-R-E-S. Facebook is the same. My website's www.johnnorris.com. You can get to my email, trailblazer413 at yahoo.com through my website. Um, ask questions if you have a son or a daughter, a grandchild, a niece or a nephew that wants to be a game warden, that wants to know more about conservation. One of the biggest joys I have being retired from operations now, like you, doing what you do in media front so wonderfully is mentoring the next generation to enjoy what's in the outdoors because we're going more urbanized, open spaces are being depleted with development of our nation every day, and we know someday we're just going to have less and less opportunities for those of us that are in cities to know what you and I love oh, yeah. I'll be here. very blessed to enjoy. And I like to um, facilitate that mentor as much as I can, so reach out. Um, you want a signature blade, you want a signature signed copy of any of my books, hit me up on your website, and don't hesitate to ask questions, and I'll, I'll help where I can. Wonderful. It has been such a pleasure to catch up with you here at SCI. I won't take up any more of your time, but I figure we got the bases covered. Lots to unpack. So thank you, John, for talking about Hidden War Two. Thanks. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push. Make sure you're subscribed there, especially on Apple. If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.